0: It's the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. That's me. I talked with a man attacked and held at gunpoint by Portland Black Lives Matter and Antifa brown-shirted Black Bloc terrorists. That's what this was. Joe Hall ended up in the hospital, so you will hear from him as he lay in the hospital. And you'll also hear about another Portland man that this also happened to. He got... No hospital trip, but came close to going to jail. And here's a question for the week. If you're outside desperately searching for gas, if you're on the eastern seaboard, do you have to wear a mask? People on the eastern seaboard are, at the publication of this podcast, desperately searching for gas because of the supposed hack of the colonial pipeline on the East Coast. Or ransom of the pipeline. Ransomware, hackery, it's all the same thing to most people. Does anyone actually know what happened there? I know. How about trying to just find some gas?
1: Americans up and down the East Coast on the hunt for gas, overwhelming some stations. Do you think uh, people are panicked or do you think people are just kind of trying to figure everything out?
0: I think it's probably some panic, like the toilet paper issues a year ago. Cars Bumper to
1: bumper here in the Carolinas and stretching down streets in Florida.
0: Check out the
1: line. Nationwide gas prices reaching their highest point in nearly seven years. Despite the spike in price and demand, the White House and experts are preaching calm. You'll be hoarding gas. If you don't really need it, then don't buy it. But with the colonial pipeline still mostly down, the region that relies on the 5,500-mile 5, system for its fuel is feeling an impact. My fear is you have these gas shortages. Uh, it's going to cause a lot of problems for people. At some stations in South Carolina on Tuesday, cars were turned away. we are out of gas. And according to gas Buddy, nearly 40% of metro Atlanta gas
0: stations are out of fuel. So it's everybody's problem. But the big question is, should I be pumping gas, providing I can find any, let's say, in Atlanta, Georgia? Should I be wearing a mask? Well, let's go back over what we were told 11 months ago by the CDC. It's a good
2: question. You know, it, it's it, I think it's warranted to, to ask something like that. So I just want to go back and start by saying, you know, the CDC recommends that if you're going out in, in public and you can't guarantee that you're going to maintain that social distance, then um, it's recommended that you use some kind of cloth face covering. Um, but I think what this really comes down to is there is sort of a common sense factor here that we have to we have to use. If you're someone you're running in a very rural environment outdoors and you're never going to come across another person, the using a mask probably isn't going to really matter for something like that. However, if you're someone who's running through the city, you're cycling through the city, you're coming to intersections, to crosswalks, to, to traffic lights, and there's other people on the corner. And obviously, you should be wearing a mask at that point because uh, maintaining social distancing is going to be very difficult when there's others are around. So
0: the Jay Insleys, the Gretchen Witchmers, the Kate Browns, Gavin Newscombs of the world, they only remember that guy. Well, you know, I think we ought to probably, you know, outside, well, if you come up to an intersection, things could get bad. Oh, oh OK. Based on what? Based on what? Well, in Washington state, my colleague Jason Rance notes that uh, Governor Jay Inslee has outdoor mask mandates and uh, is thinking about, well, I, you know, if you're really lucky, if you're really lucky, we might let you celebrate your life worth. You might not have to wear a mask. I don't know. It's just so confusing. We don't know. So Jason had on a person from the Department of Health in the state of Washington. And it turns out that they haven't really decided what they're going to do about mask wearing outside. I mean, except to say, no, you can't do it. And the reason they haven't is because, well, let me uh, quote from Jason's piece over here at uh, My Northwest. The The DOH does not track outdoor transmission. Why? Because it's too hard. Our ability to pinpoint exactly where COVID 19 is being transmitted in our communities is limited, a spokesperson from the DOH told the Jason Rance Show on KTTH. When we interview cases, it is awfully, extremely difficult to determine with certainty where the individual was infected. People often have more than one potential exposure, and they may not remember all of their activities in the 14 days before becoming ill or may not want to share all their activities with us. That's the quote. Continuing quoting Jason here, People can't remember visiting a park, going for a hike, or visiting a beach. Yet, the investigations have been used in justifying shutting down businesses. With limited data on where transmission is occurring in Washington, we rely on the science around how this virus is spread. Now, what is that science? Well, you heard that guy from 11 months ago, and it gets even worse. Now, you can say, well, we're just learning. This has been a learning curve, and we don't have all the answers. And, And they would be absolutely correct. And you would be very gracious in allowing these people that excuse. But I will tell you, there have never been any statistics to support outdoor mask wearing. Well, correction, there have been statistics and they've been all wrong. Well, that's also unless the New York Times is lying again, which is entirely possible. And that is entirely possible. But we now know that the outdoor masks are about as helpful as these Hindu men in India slopping cow feces and drinking cow urine to prevent the coronavirus. Oh. And much the same thing is going on in America, but instead of worshiping the cows as they do in India, the herd slaps on the mask and worships Dr. Fauci, he of the coronavirus funding apparatus. But I digress. Actually, that's pretty much spot on, but I digress anyway, because I have this to get to. Wearing masks... Outside never made sense to you, right? You're always like the wind's blowing, uh, the sun's out. Uh, if there's a, a bad bug, doesn't it make sense to be I don't know outside and in the wind and in the the heat of the day? You would be absolutely correct. CDC, not so much. So the CDC said, well, goodness, uh, we're just uh, gonna have to pump up any numbers. Uh, and just tell people it's unsafe to be there. Well, why is that? Well, how did the New York Times arrive at the fact that outdoor masks are not necessary? Finally, someone in legacy media, the gray lady, decides that, well, you know what? Well, it turns out that the CDC looked at Singapore's data saying that some people had gotten the Rona outside. Now, I'm going to quote here from the New York Times uh, CDC uh, coronavirus daily report that they do. Misleading CDC number is a headline. When the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention released uh, new guidelines last month for mask wearing, it announced that less than 10% of COVID-19 transmission was occurring outdoors. Now, where did they get that number? Well, it turns out, Saying less than 10% of COVID transmission occurs outdoors is akin to saying that sharks attack fewer than 20,000 swimmers a year. And they go on with several other examples. And you know how the game's played. Uh, The game is basically, well, there were under 100 people for whom this was true. And it turns out that the, the number is maybe one. Okay, that's fewer than 100. That's telling the truth, but it's just telling the truth by a factor of well, let's just put it this way. It's like the ever lessening amount of truth, depending on how many decimal points you're using. How about that? I mean, it's just sort of that way. And it is indeed this way here. And now going on here, this obviously doesn't make much sense Uh, Because if you read the academic research that the CDC has cited in defense of the 10% benchmark, you will notice something strange. A very large share of the supposed cases of outdoor transmission have occurred in a single construction site in Singapore. That's where all this is happening. Apparently, there might be more than one single construction site, but they're all in Singapore. Isn't that weird? Huh. Huh. So the New York Times said, "Well, this is weird. We're going to look into that," and and they did. And I have to give them their props. Thank God they did. This obviously doesn't make much sense according to the NYT. It in, it instead appears to be a misunderstanding that resembles a game of telephone. Of telephone. This are these are CDC numbers based upon, you know, just a few guys saying, "Well, you know, it looks like hey Freddie, hey Freddie." Uh, what do you think about those covid numbers there well um they appeared at uh, certain kinds of construction sites and and so therefore it is outside and therefore you can get coronavirus outside wrong continuing my reading here if you if you read the academic research that the cdc has cited in defense of the 10% benchmark you'll notice something strange that a very large share of the supposed cases of outdoor transmission have occurred in a single setting, construction sites in Singapore. In one study, 95 out of 10,926 worldwide instances of transmission classified as outdoors are all, the 95, all from Singapore. So they went to check out what these construction sites looked looked like, and it turns out All the walls were constructed, and essentially the transmission occurred indoors. Now, as the New York Times writes, their reporter did further reporting. He discovered reasons to think that many of the infections may have occurred indoors. Indoors. At some of the individual construction sites where COVID spread like a complex for the financial firm UBS and a skyscraper project called Project Glory, that conjures up views, The concrete shells for the buildings were largely completed before the pandemic began, and they were basically inside. Continuing to read here from the New York Times daily sheet on coronavirus, electricians and plumbers would have worked in particularly close contact, and basically these construction sites were indoor construction sites. I mean, it's like schools. Schools are, are they outside or inside? Well, they're both. And, 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 and. How did Singapore cases get classified as they did? When academic researchers began collecting COVID data from around the world, many chose to define outdoor spaces very broadly. They deemed almost any setting that was a mix of outdoors and indoors to be outdoors. Oh, so we've been wearing masks outside for a year because you guys don't know what you're doing? Why, yes, that's exactly what happened. I continue. They deemed that almost any outside setting was a mix of outdoors and indoors, and that was going to be called outdoors. Quentin Lelurk, a French researcher with and co-author of one of the papers analyzing Singapore, told me, we had to settle on one classification for building sites and ultimately decided on a conservative outdoor definition. Why are we getting this again? Now, if this sounds familiar to you, it should sound familiar. It's because this is exactly what they did with the social distancing situation, where I remember Dr. Birx and Fauci standing with Trump going, well, at a cdc uh, coronavirus update well the thing is is that we uh, just decided to double the amount that uh who said that we needed to keep in terms of separation from from people and so we decided instead of three feet we would go to six feet so that's going to be great right that's just great well, the CDC says, well, you know, we're just going to pump up the number to scare more people like they did with the six-foot space. And the only problem with that is you've just ruined restaurants and church services and school. At least two of those are the tenets of civil society in the country. By your stupid decision to not trust the American people with their own health. And that's exactly what happened here. It's very annoying. So the latest numbers from the CDC said 10 percent of the COVID cases came from outdoors. We know that they based it on Singapore. Singapore acknowledges that they were hinky numbers. This has also been set up in a, and uh, looked at, peer reviewed, if you will, by the uh, a virologist from the University of St. Andrews who said that the share of transmission that has occurred outdoors is actually, yeah, 10% is too much, too, too much. It's, uh, yeah, closer to maybe 1% and likely down to a tenth of a percent of cases have been caused from outdoor transmission. The CDC was only... Off by a factor of one hundred. So take off your masks. Breathe. This is ridiculous. Almost as ridiculous as these guys. Meantime, in Seattle, BLM is calling for lynching white people. Does this sound familiar?
3: 21.
0: Maybe people hang
3: Whoa. What was that? You wanna say it again? Um yes. Yeah. This
0: is the oh, oh. Police department. I know guys. we're going to be opening the roadway up here. Totally For your safety, please stay on the sidewalks. You're wearing dark clothing and hours of darkness. I'd want black, black or white people to I don't get know along. If
1: anybody in your group, that's why I would agree with that statement. That was weird. You, I want, agree. Want, you I agree, I agree. agree with that yeah, statement? Really
0: Whoa. Yeah, this is the Billy Police Department. We're be opening
4: up the roadway at the intersection to traffic. Come on,
0: now. And not that you didn't know this, but. Right. Not only do they not like white people, Antifa and BLM, white people and black people, they don't like America. Here they are chanting Death to America in downtown Seattle. America! Death to America Death to America One,
1: two, three, four,
0: five each other. Now, before you say, oh, Victoria, you're the adult in the room. They don't really believe that. Yes, they actually do. Because I give to you the case of Joe Hall. A Portland area handyman, a disabled vet. And a guy who, unfortunately for him was going home from North Portland to a suburban home in his truck, which, by the way, bears an I voted for Donald Trump sticker, as well as his Semper Fi and Army stickers from his service. And I talked to him while he was in the hospital recovering from an attack he received, a beating and also being held at gunpoint at the point of AR-15s and AK-47s brought to you by the thugs, at Antifa and Black Lives Matter. And how this went down was he was blocked by their vehicles. And then uh, when he was blocked and stopped, uh, they surrounded his vehicle uh, holding their AR-15s and AK-47s aimed at his head on the streets of of America, streets of Portland in a residential area. And, well, I'll let him explain to you what happened. Uh, he was beaten, sent to the hospital, and that's where I talked to him. You were
5: going to work, or you were coming back from work, actually. And you were heading back to your home in another part of Portland the Portland area suburb. And then what happened?
4: So i heading up Alberta. And um, I get up to Albina near that, where that red house occupation is Mm -hmm. on Alberta. And I'm used to bicyclists and moped people, you know, running stop signs and stop lights. And this guy, you know, on a moped, you know, as I'm going through the light, cuts right in front of me. And I... Dangerous. ...swerve to go around him and kind of slow down a little bit and... You know, of course, flipped him off and you know, give him the f bomb and called him an idiot, and not knowing anything that's going on. And by this time, uh, I'm proceeding through Albina, and I get up and I and I look up, and there's a um, vehicle in front of me, and ahead of that is another um, vehicle, uh, oranges type vehicle, and the. One directly in front of me is like a blue car or something. It pulls off, and then I get up, and then I see ahead that there's like 100 people in the road. And 90% of them are on the left-hand side of the oncoming traffic. So I'm just going to proceed forward and, you know, hope I don't hit anybody. Mm -hmm. I put my window down slightly to hear, and they start screaming, He's trying to run us over. He's going to kill us all. Um, he's got a vehicle. Shoot the vehicle. You know, shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. Um, he's, a, he's a white Nazi. Shoot him. They're calling me every name, every name in the book. And I'm just ignoring it. And somebody steps in front of my vehicle, and I stop for a brief second. And this uh, probably, I would say, about 400-pound um, guy, you know, black male, he starts looking at me, and he, he said something about, he goes, what, you don't like gay people? <laughs> and I was just like, what does that have to do with anything? Just shut your mouth. I said, I never said anything. And then he threw the N-word out there. He says, oh, he called me a, you know, oh, over really? and over. Now he's got the whole crowd going. Now they're they're agitated. Now the, the Antifa um, agitators are uh, going crazy. So I get up to about Michigan, and I'm totally blocked off. I can't back up. I can't go forward. And the vehicle that was directly in front of me pulls around the corner, does a U-turn, and now I've got four people, three or four people in front of me, all armed with AR-15s. Two people to my right, and one of them has an AR-15, and two people to my left. One of them has an AK-47, the other has an AR-15, and they're all pointed at me. Oh, my God. So in the 20 years that I served between the Marine Corps and the Army, that was justifiable use of deadly force. I was in fear of my life. So instead of going to the bloodbath, I chose to go to my non-lethal weapon, and basically I was going to pummel about three or four rounds into the person that was standing in front of my vehicle. And I, I screamed out, I have a non-lethal device. I will use it. You have about five seconds to get out from in front of my vehicle. And then, um, I get out of my vehicle to try and clear the scene because Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I, the reason, the main reason why I got out of the vehicle is I heard a thump, Like I hit somebody. So I get out of the vehicle and that's where I, Got out with my non-lethal and told them, you know, I have a non-lethal device. I will use it to get get my way to I-5. And while I'm out of the vehicle, somebody shoots past me, reaches in, and I don't know what they did. And um, I tried talking to some lady that was on a loudspeaker that was telling them to let me go by. And when I turned around, went back to my vehicle, my keys aren't in the ignition. Terrifying. And I get in. And I'm, my PTSD starts to kick in. And now I'm in fight or flight mode, which, you know, is pretty damn scary. And, um, but I can't go anywhere. So I go to grab my phone, call 911. And then all of a sudden there's a guy to my left with an AK-47 about 10 feet away, pointed at my head. Oh my God. And they're screaming, kill the white boy, kill him, kill the white Nazi!" And you can hear this all in the video. Kill that Nazi. Kill him. Screaming. All the black, um, you know, I would say that all the black neighbors were out there videotaping it, screaming, kill that white man. Kill that white boy. They're screaming white slurs, going to kill me. And I made the decision at that point to reach into my right pocket and pull out my 38. And I'm not going to die in my vehicle. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die, you know, heading towards the danger and that's the little skinny white antifa guy with the ak-47 and i kept my my handgun down at all times and told them that if you point that weapon at me again i will fire and in about a split second his weapon went up my pistol went up and then i get blindsided i get kicked to the ground or pushed to the ground and um Three or four people jump on top of me. One of them just blindsided and kicks me right in the head. Mm. The others, you know, are on top of me, uh, you know, punching me. And I'm trying to get my pistol out because I am at this, this time, I am going to fire a couple rounds off and I don't care who I hit because my life is in danger.
5: You're on the ground, and you're thinking I'm you're going to get ground. your 38 out. You yep. you hadn't gotten your 38 out up until that point, or you no, had. No, I,
4: I did have it out.
5: Okay, okay, and that's when because they jumped you because that's, that's when they
4: jumped me. And I and in a brief second, I put it back in my pocket. I see. You know, and um, it's a good thing
5: you did because they would have taken that from you too.
4: Well, yeah, they did take my 38. Mm. They, you know, they knocked me to the ground, and then um, I, you know, I told them right away. I said, "Hey, buddy, I, I listen. I, I'm I'm a hundred 16five percent disabled through the VA I says I've got problems like you wouldn't believe we don't care we hope you die we don't care I'm a medic there's nothing wrong with you and I while I'm laying on the ground you know the only way of getting out of there was to um, bite the inner thigh of the black guy that was um, sitting on top of me he had a George George Floyd restraint to my neck and I as hard as I could until I tasted something. So he's got a pretty good mark on his leg.
5: Wait a minute. He did the knee to your neck?
4: Yep. Yep.
5: What what did he say when he did that?
4: Oh, uh, the the comments that were coming from all around. I don't know if it was him or not, but it was, oh, we'll kill you, white boy. All I heard was, kill this white boy, kill this white boy. And then the Antifa, a little skinny 21, 22-year-old agitators, they were yelling and screaming, and you know, just telling me, you know, that you know we're going to kill him. And then the neighbors all joined in with "kill this white boy." Nobody called the police until I get back to my vehicle. How'd you get and up? What, what's that? How did you get up? I adrenaline. I got myself up. I, I crawled over to the um, the tow hitch of my truck and was able to get up. And I went back into my truck and to grab my phone. And I'm looking for my 357, which I normally carry in the console, or my uh, 40 Smith and Wesson, which is in a, a belly strap holster, and it's usually in my truck. And I can't find anything, so I'm dialing 911, and it takes me about a minute minute and a half to get somebody from 911 on. You know, they go through their little spiel, and I told them what's going on. I can barely talk, and barely breathe, and um, they're yelling and screaming at me how there's nothing wrong with me get out of here i can't get out of here because i have no keys well we took your keys we took your guns we're not giving them back and so when i'm on the phone with 911, they basically played it off as a well we're not going to send officers out because we don't we don't deal with these uh these protests like this we stand back and watch and i says well i'm severely injured well we'll send you an ambulance and at that point, I told the, a lot of choice words to the dispatcher. Everything from "I don't give a flying," you know, "F what what you're saying." You know, you get somebody out here because I'm injured. And I says, "If I can find my other weapon in my truck," I says, "The first person that walks up with a weapon, I'm going to shoot him right between the eyes." At that point, that's when they decided to send um, send out police. And And now
5: you're doing this interview from the hospital.
4: uh, Yes. And I was in the back of the ambulance while I was in back of the ambulance. The first officer that showed up um, straight out of the academy and just, you know, uh, I could tell he's, you know, agitated and he's, you know, overwhelmed. This is his first case and first investigation. And the first question he asked me was, what did you do to agitate him? And. I got so pissed. I called him every name in the book and told him to get the F out of this ambulance. I don't want him in here. I don't even want to talk to you. I says, I know protocol. I want to speak to somebody senior. I want to speak to a sergeant, a lieutenant, somebody other than you. Well, I'm the only one. I uh, Finally, the paramedics told him to leave. And then they brought me to the hospital. And now, here we sit. Where's your truck? Um, It's at my house right now.
5: Did they take anything else out of your truck besides Um, all your guns and your
4: keys? How'd you get your wait
5: wait? wait, How'd you move the truck?
4: What happened? My girlfriend. I called. I called my uh, girlfriend uh, with my extra set of keys, and um, she was able to come out uh, with a friend. And uh, we only have one vehicle, so a friend immediately picked her up uh, down the street and headed straight out here. I mean, they were threatening to tow my vehicle because I was in the way of the marchers. Who said that? The, 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 the cop.
5: Oh, for crying out loud.
4: I'm sorry, your vehicle's in the way. You know, there's people marching down the street. And I said, you're not moving my vehicle until somebody gets here. This ambulance can stay here. We can't, we can't have you leave and go to the hospital. And I, you know, of course, being military, Marine, whenever I run into an idiot like that, you know, I, I give them the verbal abuse. Uh, tear And that's exactly what I did.
5: Now you're at the okay. hospital. Yep. What, what happened to you?
4: I've got um, a fractured uh, clavicle, uh, dislocated shoulder, torn ligaments in my shoulder, tendons or whatever they are. Three four or five broken ribs, three on my left, two on my right, two refractured vertebrae in the middle of my back. And two, on my lower back, and a collapsed, partially collapsed left lung, and a uh, eye, you know, severely bruised over eye with a they haven't done an eye test yet, but a possible torn retina.
5: Oh, great. That's from that guy kicking you in the head. Yeah. And do you know anybody, did anyone get any reports about these people so that you might be able to go after them at some point, either civilly or criminally?
4: Yeah, one of the officers um, who was, you know, he had, of course, due to the politics, he basically had to, um, you know, just do his job. And a video, that video popped up. And he, I told him my story first. And, of course, you know, he says, he's used to, you know, two different stories or whatnot. And he said, my story pretty much 90, percent sur- Matched up with with the um, the video, and he said, "You could have shot that guy legally. You could have shot that guy legally. You could have shot that guy legally, and this guy to the right."
5: But you didn't because. But I did. You live in Portland, and you knew about Mike Strickland, didn't you?
4: Yep, that's exactly why I put the weapon back in my pocket and tried walking away. They were in the process of destroying my my truck. And I'm still fully expecting um, them to file charges against me because this uh, video has popped up on YouTube and there's 30-some thousand. I'm already, my, my son who's monitoring it, already getting death threats, already getting, um, you know, these Antifa um, BLM agitators that are stating that they know where I live and they'll take care of it. Himself.
5: Well, what's your message to the mayor?
4: The mayor? Well, Mr. Mayor, he's a complete, you know, you know, backstepping and letting this this, uh, you know, stuff go by it's a podcast.
5: You can swear if you want.
4: OK. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's a fucking idiot for allowing this shit to happen one sided. And this is all one sided. All they want to do is satisfy the BLM crowd and take me as a white guy and. Now I'm the problem. I'm the the problem that exists when I was assaulted by uh, members of this this so-called peaceful walk that were destroying vehicles. And you know, while I'm sitting there, you know, lying in pain, nobody calling, nobody helping out to me, and not being able to get cops out there, I could have I could have ended up with a bullet in my head. And do you think there was going to be a a fucking investigation over that no you know why because I'm a white country boy who people are already calling a racist and they do not understand the mentality of me they do not understand my ethics they do not understand um, anything other than what they paste on me and they they're, they're going to their go to card they pulled the race card out right away and just last week I did probably about $400 worth of work to, um, to uh, homeowners right next to our property that I, I, I work at. Um, all free work. They couldn't afford a disabled lady. And um, another lady couldn't afford work. They have a handyman to come out and fix stuff. I did it for free. Because that's the type of person I am. I didn't, I didn't call skin color into anything. I didn't look at, you know you know, how much money you're worth or if you could pay your bill. I did the job. And to be called homophobic and racist and, you know, all of these things that I'm being accused of now, they they have no idea of my background and my upbringing and my service in the military and serving with, you know, with thousands of people of all race, creed, colors and origin and sexual preference or whatever, there's only one color whenever you're in uniform, and that's green. That's all we look at is the color green. And now this has turned into a black, white, and racial issue. And I'm smack dab in the middle of it. Um, I'm going to have to shut my business down, change my business name. I canceled um, close to $1,000 worth of work today and tomorrow because i am in the hospital i do 90% of my work by myself i keep my costs down for my customers i don't have very much overhead but yet i'm you know the 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 cancer culture and these antifa morons they're out there to to get me and they're going to they're going to attempt to you know to ruin my life You know, and I'm the re- the only reason why I'm doing this right now is because when I get out of here tomorrow or the next day, I'm going to be in, um, I'm going to be in, you know, quarantine or mode zone. I'm just not going to be associating with anybody yeah. for a few days.
5: It was a race crime against you.
4: Yes, it was a bias crime against me. And I driving while values- white. Yep. Driving white. Exactly. And being told that I'm not allowed to be in that neighborhood because I'm not black. And I've been working in that neighborhood for over 10 years. And shop at the same little grocery store. You know, every time I go, you know, go to work, come home. You know, and I pretty much told the owner of the property today that I've got to, over the next couple of weeks of, um, of uh, you know, recovery. I'm going to do some serious soul searching because my life is important and I cannot I cannot continue to to do this because the next time is not going to end up with me being so nice. And I blame Ted Wheeler and Joanne Hardesty and the entire city, city council.
5: Had you ever That's had it. any uh, run-ins with Antifa or BLM before?
4: Yes, one time before. Oh, when? Where? Um, MLK Day about... A little over a year ago and trying to get to work and they had some march going on and last second they were um Um,
5: he's taking his meds at the
0: hospital um uh
4: oh um yeah at the last you know second again they were blocking the road it was you know and I I had to get one block up to get to work and they told me to turn around and I was agitated. And I said, this is a, you know, this is not a, 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 a permitted March, is it? And they go, it doesn't matter. We can do what we want. And I says, well, I'm going to sit here and lay on the horn until <laughs> you guys clear the way. And I did, I laid on the horn for a good three or four minutes. And they immediately came out with um, this on their um, uh, their racist rant on BLM and Antifa that this guy sped up, revved his engine, tried running us over. Right. And when they went through their videos, I have a buddy of mine who's, um, I'm not going to you know say what agency he works for, but he's in the government agency. And within about an hour of them posting it, he sent me a picture of my house and he mm-hmm. said, is this your house? And then he told me, he says, save this picture. Um, uh, BLM is coming out to your house to burn it down. And I went out to my house and caught several people on bikes, taking pictures of my house. And I called nine one one and just told him in Columbia County. Yeah. We got a bunch of people out here riding around with, uh, weapons and threatening people guess what columbia county responds they came out and their vehicles were all parked by a fire hydrant so their their vehicles were all impounded and towed three of them what a shame you know and and did you ever id those guys no i i got license plates on them good and for the last last uh, two months i've had um several vehicles come down my street. I live on a dead end street and um, they come down and they sit in front of my house and all my neighbors, we all have video cameras. We all talk to each other. We all, you know, check our camera systems. We all got, you know, camera systems up now to record everything.
5: Got photos of them.
4: I got, I got photos of the vehicle and the people. Yes.
5: Oh, I'd like to see those when you get out of the hospital.
4: Yeah. I, I followed them all the way back into Portland and, um, got up next to them, took pictures of their truck and, um, I have a good friend who um, can you know run license plate numbers, let's say, and ran it and lo and behold, it was came registered back to within a block of where I was today, within four blocks of where I um, you know work. So they know my vehicle and um, my vehicle has been vandalized several times. Um, just while I'm working, you know, I don't even, I don't even try to cover up the scratches anymore.
3: Mm.
5: Why would they call you a Nazi just because you don't like them? Um,
4: uh, probably because of my military stickers. You know, I have, uh, I have, uh, my patriotic, uh, Marine Corps stickers and my unit stickers that I served in. And I have a, I voted for Donald Trump sticker on my truck. Ah. So that's exactly why they you don't know, target it
5: That's illegal.
4: Yeah. Well, it's just nothing's, in. nothing's illegal in Portland unless you're um, on the right side. You know, if you're you know if you're conservative, anything that you do remotely outside of the lines is illegal. The lefties get away with everything,
5: and you're gonna sue something yep. anyway.
4: I'm yeah I. I've, I've had enough, you know, and I put up with a lot of shit and I'm, you know, I'm to the point now to where, you know, I, I'm, I'm on, I I don't even know if I'm going to have a concealed weapons permit, um, Monday or Tuesday because, you know, of the, you know, exactly what the Michael Strickland went, went through. Yeah. You know, and that's my biggest fear. Yep. You know, and I, I do have. I do have a a criminal past. I've had DUIs. I've had, you know, assault charges. I've had restraining orders against me. But that was my past life, and I'm not afraid to, you know, to tell people about the things that I've learned. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I never have. You know, I'm a stand-up guy. I need. I help people in need, and I don't ask how much can you pay me. I help them. I mean, if I were to go back over the last 10 years and pulled every dollar worth of work and every dollar that I went to people in need, we're talking close to $100,000. Mm. That's the type of person that I am.
5: Joe, have a speedy recovery, and I'll be okay. in touch. And um, like I said, you'd ever know, you might get yourself yep. a
0: good attorney. Yeah. Thank you. And Hall's case reminded me of another case in Portland a few years ago. It was the case of Mark Dickerson. He was a guy trying to get to court on Halloween in 2018. Similar situation. Went through the light and all of a sudden there were the Black Lives Matter protesters in the middle of the street. So they let him pass through a little bit, but he was going six miles an hour. And one guy decided that, yeah, I'm not going to get hurt. I'm just going to back into his truck. And he did it on purpose. And it was caught, thankfully, on his dash cam. But what this man went through, you don't wish it on anyone. Similar situation. Listen up. So, Mark Dickerson, thank you so much for coming on the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. And of course, we've spoken before and. I have to believe that the uh, happenings in North Portland on Cinco de Mayo made you have a little bit of deja vu.
3: Yeah, they really did. I, I, As soon as I saw it, <laughs> it was uh, almost exactly what happened to me, um, except for this guy. He got out of his truck. And what's funny about that is during my deposition with the city, she she asked me. The city attorney asked me. Well, did you think about stopping and getting out? I said, stopping and getting out for what? What what would be the end result of that? And she didn't have any answer to that. Um, I mean, once people start attacking your truck, you know, once you put your body out there, who knows what they'll do to you?
0: Well, I think we know that they'll put people in the hospital. They yeah. they tried to do that to Mike Strickland. They. Tried to do, yeah. and they succeeded in doing that to this latest guy, Joe uh, Hall, and he is in a very bad way.
3: Oh, I saw that his uh, interview in the hospital. I, I I just can't believe that. I don't know. It's bizarre what's going on with the city. Uh, they they just seem to coddle these protesters and the people that really become the actual victims actually become the hunted by the city as well as the protesters. So let's go back in time
0: and let's talk a little bit about your incident on, was it Halloween years ago? What, 2018?
3: Uh, Yes, 2018.
0: Okay. So this had been going on, this sort of attacking people in the street and stopping them and pretending that they are quote unquote directing traffic has been going on for several years in Portland and it happened to you on Halloween, and it was a nightmare. What happened?
3: Well, it, it all started... I had a classic car that I was having some body work done to it, and the auto body guy was trying to hijack my car and charge an extra $10,000 in above the price which we had already agreed. So I had to file a lawsuit to get my car back, and... Um, With that, I was heading downtown to attend a uh, ex parte hearing in front of the judge on that lawsuit. And I was basically looking for a parking spot in front of the courthouse. Um, Unbeknownst to me, there were protesters down there. I had no idea. Uh, But going along there, um, if anybody's seen the video, they can tell how slow I was going. My dash cam registered to speed at six miles an hour. Um, but all of a sudden I'm right in front of these protesters and they are allowing me to pass to go through them. And then one guy decides he's going to try to capitalize off this and walks backwards into my truck's path. I he- mean, you could see it on the video. It's clear as day.
0: He intentionally tried to hit your truck so that he could claim you hit him.
3: Right. Not only did he do it intentionally, he looked at me from the, he stared directly at me. See, you have to understand, they're attacking my truck. My head's on a swivel, so I'm looking to the left, to the right, to the rear, and forward, all in a matter of seconds. this guy saw me looking around. I didn't see what my dash camera saw, of course. My dash camera saw him looking directly at me navigating all these vantage points. Um, But luckily I came, my head swiveled back right at the time, right before the impact of him walking backwards into my lane of travel. And I slammed on my brakes and he motioned like I hit him and, and ran forward in front of the truck. And um, it just became a comic show at that point. Well,
0: the show became even more comical, if you will, because you had to fight the charges that they brought against you for this.
3: Yeah, what was <laughs> what was interesting at that scene when he walked backwards? There was a lieutenant, a Portland police officer, Lieutenant Simon, watched the whole thing. So after that all unfolded, and I escaped that. Gauntlet of protesters. I went around the block, parked and in, uh, backed into a bus-only parking zone, um, waiting for the police. Well, the first police officer to show up was Lieutenant Simon, that the guy that watched the whole thing. And he came up to my window and he says, "License and registration." And second thing he said was, "I understand the frustration." And I said, "Hi." <laughs> I'm not trying to do anything. I'm just trying to park my truck. I'm just trying to go to court. He goes, I know, I know. I said, he jumped right in front of me. He goes, I know. He goes, I'm not super excited. If I was super excited, you'd be in handcuffs, but you're, I'm not super excited. And oh, we should um, be so says, thankful
0: for him not to be oh, too super I excited. Was, <laughs> uh, so,
3: yeah. Cause he said, he's, he said he saw it all. And I said, Oh, good. Um, so I thought, okay, every, everything's going to be okay. And, and, um, he says, you're not under arrest. You're just detained at this point. And I said, yeah, that's fine. I totally understand. Um, and then after that, a second police officer came that was radioed in. He already had answered the radio call or something. Somehow he ended up at alongside Lieutenant Simon. So he walked up to the pet driver's side, started talking with Lieutenant Simon. Lieutenant Simon... And he walked back towards the rear of my truck and says, he's not under arrest. This was Lieutenant Simon's instruction to the lower officer, said that he's not under arrest. Um, and then Lieutenant Simon takes off. So this cop that came to the scene later, he he's wanted me to tell him what happened. So I told him everything that transpired and... And he asked me, he goes, do you have any weapons in the car? I said, well, I'm a concealed weapons holder. It's in my uh, center console. And he goes, okay, well, I'm going to take you out for safety. I said, no, okay, whatever. So he takes me out, puts puts me in handcuffs. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, puts me in handcuffs and puts me in the back of the cop car. I'm thinking, okay, this is all for safety. Okay, whatever. Um Whoa. I didn't really think too much of it. Um, did he? Did you he know, say you did... were
0: under arrest at that point? Obviously, no. you were detained, but
3: okay. right? No, I wasn't under arrest at that point either. He was. This was just a safety deal. Oh. And at this time, all the protesters are gathered around the cop cars, calling me a Nazi and all these other you know ridiculous things. Sounds familiar. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know the standard gameplay for those for these guys. But anyway, he comes back about. 10 minutes later, and he goes, he opens the door, and he says, well, for our safety and your safety, we're going to place you under arrest. What? <laughs> I said, what? Because, you know, they're getting pretty upset. These The protesters even said on Dash Camera, they were upset because th- they were yelling because he could just you to go free. So they said they were going to arrest me. Uh, the other, there was a third officer there. He says, do you want us to park a truck? Otherwise, the protesters are going to destroy it. I said, yeah, I'd, I'd really appreciate that. Um, I was just kind of dumbfounded that I'm being arrested for all this. I'm what the hell's going on? Um, but nevertheless, I was arrested. And uh, the DA actually brought charges. <laughs> That's another thing that shocked me. Um and obviously, it turned out she never even watched the dash cam. She just went with the flow of the game plan.
0: Uh-huh.
3: Um, and, you know, it was, you know, they violated four uh, ordinances, even committed a felony by attacking my truck, committing, causing over $1,500 in damage. Um, and they didn't even get talking to, let alone were they even cited or anything
0: didn't even get a parking ticket nothing and and let's go back for just a second because sure they had taken over the street and right. yet they had given you they given you permission to drive on their street is that right
3: yeah <laughs> yeah that, that, that's what it, it it was hard to sell because it it all happened so fast it was i was waiting at the light and traffic was backed up and there was a the traffic was backed up into the lane right in front of me, so I couldn't even really see the protesters. And so, once the, my light changed, the cars were still backed up into the intersection, and I started. We all, all three lanes, started going forward, and the cars went. Finally, cleared the intersection. We were allowed to go forward, and right at that point is when I saw the protesters, and I slowed and I slammed on my brakes. I did slam on them at that point. I slowed way down with my brakes, and then they parted, allowing me to go through. This was like six miles an hour. Uh, it's not like I'm driving thirty five through there, you know. Um, so that's that's how it all transpired.
0: And then you had to go to court and then you filed lawsuits because you had this feeling that, wait a minute, it's not my fault. It's their fault. What's happening in Portland? Take us on the Reader's Digest version of your legal entanglements from there.
3: Well, at my arraignment, I tried to represent myself, not because I wanted to. It was merely because I had no money. I had no money to, I didn't have $15,000 to hire an attorney. Um, The judge wouldn't allow it. Um, You know, If I I know the law well enough to know that if I pushed it, I could have still represented myself. But I had this feeling that I would have been angering the judge to go against his, uh, you know, (laughs) his recommendation, if you will. Um, So that would have, I felt it had angered him. So I really didn't have no other choice but to try to raise fifteen thousand um, dollars. Um I didn't have the money, so I didn't have but I used to see I used to make a lot of money. I used to be a wealthy guy, but, you know, that was years ago. Now I'm I'm fairly poor and I just kinda scrimp by. Um so I, I didn't have much of my way of liquidation. Um to erase those funds, but I did have my horse that I raised from a colt. And it was the hardest thing I ever had to do was to sell this horse that I raised from a colt that was, you know, very special to me. Um, But I had to... I mean, these guys were out for blood. They wanted me to go to jail. So I had to bite the bullet, charge... $5,000 5000 on my credit card, sold my horse for $6,000, and scrimped another three grand together. And I was able to hire an attorney. So after I hired the attorney, I, I spoke with a couple attorneys. and They just couldn't believe that the DA was pushing this. And I, I'm right there with you, buddy. I don't know what to tell you. Mm. Um, but they're out for blood. They were really out for blood. She was... Uh, the D- DA was disgusted with me. Um, she felt felt that I went downtown to run over protesters. <laughs> it's just, it didn't even make sense what how that would even come to pass.
0: Who's the name of the DA who was prosecuting you? Uh,
3: Jenna Plank. Okay. So,
0: so so of course they took great umbrage that you dared uh, try to drive on a street where you didn't even know there oh. were protesters, and all yeah, of a sudden it's sh- your fault. Uh, but this was an M.O. They should have been quite up to speed on what was going on in the streets of Portland. After all, it was happening in front of their office for the most part. It's pretty ridiculous.
3: Well, that's the, the part that really bothered me, was that there was only 20 protesters there, and there were about five or six cops down there and they couldn't handle these, you know, they're, these kind of, these guys are generally kind of weak, if you will. Um, but they, they're, they're brazen and they'll, they use their numbers to affect their control of, of others. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was just a, Bizarre thing that I had to defend myself over something that I had no control over, that they instigated themselves, and the cops facilitated it because they stood by and watched. And what
0: was the result in criminal court?
3: uh, The case case was dropped. Charges were dropped.
0: How'd you get that?
3: Well, (laughs) they were ready to go. The DA was begged this guy to come down and testify against me this this guy this that i supposedly hit right they she begged him to come down and so here we are at the day of my trial she had offered me plea deals and all this I said, i'm not pleading to anything i didn't do anything wrong um but so they they pushed it all the way through uh here we are in the courtroom the guy's there with the da and uh they're ready to go. Well, we wheel in this uh, video screen, and we queue up my dash cam, and they saw this, <laughs> <laughs> and the DA goes over to my attorney and says, why haven't I seen this before? And unbelievable. They confiscated it. She had it. She had possession of it, but she apparently never watched it. Um, but as soon as they saw that, as soon as the... This Arthur A. Dudley saw it, um, he made this excuse that, well, I can't be here for the trial. And so he asked the judge if uh, he could postpone his, his testimony or whatever he was trying to do. It was odd because the, the court provides daycare. He said that he couldn't stay because he needed to watch his children, um, which was odd because the court provides daycare for that very purpose um but basically he bailed um and he, the trial was
0: getting going and you up ah, you know i really ah just yeah don't oh gosh yeah. gee, look at the time
3: and exactly. so he bails
0: out because he knows <laughs> right. that that video is going to indict him if you will exactly
3: exactly i mean and for, i mean think think about this <laughs> have you ever seen some guy walk backwards not forwards backwards into the path of a vehicle intentionally i mean it was just you couldn't make the stuff up
0: well, he <laughs> wasn't going to get hurt because it was you were going like right. 0.0, 0 in mean, six miles an right. hour which was essentially you know walking
3: well he speed. went and filed he h- hired a, a a defense or a I can't remember some kind of attorney, plaintiff's attorney, trial attorney. Yeah, he went and hired himself a civil rights attorney, and he sued my insurance company.
0: Uh, Um, For what losses exactly?
3: Yeah, he wanted to know my insurance. I said, I'm not giving you my insurance because I know the scam, buddy. Um, (laughs) But my insurance. He finally found out who my insurance company was, and he, my insurance company, the the reps on the phone to me laughed when they watched the video they said this guy was looking right at you i said i know <laughs> but they wrote him a letter and said your case is denied your your client caused this entire incident by walking into the path so fabulous yeah
0: that was good fabulous but, and and this guy was at that particular protest that day taking over the streets and chasing cars because yeah. of his, what was it, his brother or his cousin that had died at the hands of police or died in some supposedly nefarious activity from, or, or which, from which he was you know, totally, you know, totally
3: free. Uh, yeah, he uh, free was, uh, and
0: he was uh, you know, innocent. and.
3: <laughs> right. He was running around shooting people with his gun. So, you know, Is cops it- come across this guy with a gun what do you expect's gonna happen you know
0: what what was the name of his cousin it wasn't that Brett Kimber, Kimberlin um, guy was it
3: no i can't remember the guy's name okay. um i'm not sure what it was just curious yeah uh but yeah th- their whole prim- their whole story was that the cops shot an innocent man like typical anytime anybody gets shot nowadays it's it's never their fault it's always the cops fault which is usually not the case it's usually the the perp's fault it's not the cop's fault generally so and that's the case here but they were adamant that day that it was the cop's fault and they were gonna wreak their havoc any way they could on whoever comes by and i happen to come by Hmm. yeah so it's interesting
0: <laughs> wow Okay, so just to wrap up then, you ultimately filed a lawsuit against the city and other entities because of this. So what did you do?
3: Well, I, I filed a civil rights lawsuit huh. in United States District Court, um, and it's still ongoing. It's uh, Oh, it is? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's there's been so many delays, you wouldn't believe it. Um, but uh, it's still going. It should be wrapped up, I think, within a couple of months to find out whether or not I even get this t- to a trial. Um, everybody's trying to prevent this videotape from being seen. So they've, they've moved to not go forward, to uphold a summary judgment and, you know, never have to face the light of the day. But hopefully if the judges are reasonable, they will see that there's questions of material fact and they will allow it to go to trial.
0: Uh, that seems odd. I mean, clearly that videotape is what saved your bacon,
3: didn't it? It did. It did. Otherwise, I probably would be in jail right now.
0: Dash cams, you're a big fan.
3: It is. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's for sure.
0: And has it Obviously, uh, what kind of impact has this had on your trust of the rule of law?
3: Well, you know, I've always been—I've always believed in the rule of law, um, and I always thought that generally things get handled correctly um, when it comes to the legal um, realm. But, you know, it's—that's it's, it's that's not the case. It, I mean— I'm proof positive of that. It's today. It's it's uh, coddle the protesters, coddle the violent, you know, rioters, um, and penalize a citizen if they get in their way. And I don't know who's to blame for that. I don't. I, I guess everybody bears some responsibility, whether it's the police, the mayor, the city council, the DAs. Uh, but when you have DAs letting perps out of jail for trying to burn police buildings down you know there's something wrong Mm
0: -hmm. um
3: it's it's odd to me i've never i never really thought the rule of law worked that way but you can see this this i don't know what you even call it but it's just a a decay of the rule of law um I, i don't know what the answer is to to it all but something needs to change um and then the media—they said I plowed through protesters. One BDS uh, organization said that I—they uh, said that I ignored the police, and I was so hell bent on mowing down protesters that that's the path I—I I ignored the police and went down and mowed them down. Um, another uh, Bike Portland, Jonathan Moss wrote that I—I I felt that I i'm i get I'm deserving of mowing down protesters, and I felt it's justified you're privileged <laughs> where <all>, yeah <laughs> he says older white men feel privileged um that they've been wronged in society and and feel it's okay to mow down protesters um where all this came from, I have no idea. this is all from one guy stepping walking backwards into the path of my truck astonishing I mean. Who, who walks backwards into the path of a three-quarter-ton truck? Is, it just blows me away. How's your horse
0: doing at the new place? I don't know.
3: Um, uh, that was
0: heartbreaking. Um,
3: it was. It's still heartbreaking. I, I can't bring myself to know what's going on with him. Um, people ask me about him. Uh, the new owner... Um, Asked me to come down and see him. I can't do that. Um, it's just too hard. I know it sounds odd, but <laughs> when you have this thousand-pound animal that you've really got a pretty good bond with, um, you know, it's it's tough when something like this takes him away from you.
0: Yeah, sure does. So, it, it is. You know,
3: especially um, through no fault of my own. I I don't know what else I could have done. To avoid this situation. Um, you know the in my city lawsuit the city attorney asked me, you know, did you did you think about stopping? Did you think about <laughs> and I said stopping? Stopping a doing what? Allow them to rip me out being a Reginald Denny part two? Um you, you know who Reginald Denning is? Oh yes I do. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know what else I could have done. I just literally do not know. I mean, the rules of the road are there for, if if you can't drive down the road and use the rules of the road as a guide, <laughs> what, what use are they, you know? Well, it would help if they
0: got per- parade permits sometimes so that you would at least be notified that there was a parade underway in the middle of the street, so you wouldn't drive on it. What a concept, yeah. huh?
3: What yeah, indeed. You know that, That's the whole problem is they had no permit. They just decided to block people from going to the courthouse or take over a street, whatever their game plan was. I don't know, but what what did the police expect was going to happen? I mean... Sooner or later, there's going to be a confrontation. Someone's going to plow through them. Someone's going to. The guy right next to me in the opposite in the lane to my left, he was driving about 20 miles an hour and went right through right next to my truck. Yeah. You can see him go, going through there, and he he, he didn't. <laughs> nothing happened to him. Um, yeah, it's just bizarre. It's a uh, my attorney, my criminal defense attorney, thought this was a. Uh, a political witch hunt. They're looking for some capital, and you know, I, I would have never thought that plausible. But but I do. I I believe that's plausible.
0: Oh, I do too. I do too. Mark, thank you very much. My best to you, and I keep me in posted on that uh, U.S. District Court case, your civil rights case. I will. Thank you so much. After Mark sold his horse to help pay his legal bills, Dickerson sued back. As he explained, he was turned down by the government in U.S. District Court. He wanted to sue the, the government because he thought it was wrongful prosecution. And then he sued the media for libel and slander. And he somehow lost that case, despite the fact that they had labeled him some sort of uh, person who was trying to drive through the protest. Now, the media to whom uh, he now owes money, lots of it, hold a $50,000 lien against his property. Oh, I'm sorry, what was that Seattle BLM chant again? The Jacobins and the Reign of Terror were in it. It seems no one is standing up for the rights of people who just want to conduct their own lives and be left alone. These stories aren't over, and I'll follow them. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Adult in the Room podcast. To keep the programs you like to listen to, please rate this podcast with a fantastic five stars on your Apple Podcast app, Every time you listen, and give me a great review. Plus, of course, subscribe to the podcast. It makes a difference with the big tech algorithm and the big tech oligarchs, and it makes us easier to find. Please get in touch with me on all the big tech stuff. Yeah, we're still there. Using the names Victoria Taft or the Adult in the Room podcast on MeWe, Parlor, Minds, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks to 1A Cast for imaging, editing, and production. The fantastic song is Gospel by the March 4th Band of Portland, Oregon. Music for Antifa versus Mike Strickland is Ride or Die by Raps by RC. The Adult in the Room podcast is also a production of Flamingo Road Studios. Remember, head up, heart out, and strive to be the adult in the room. Till next time, Mischief Managed. Rise up.